busy week. And I'm once again on the screen. Let me tell you why. After church last Sabbath, uh, I came home, I ate lunch, and we went, uh, we, we had Matt and Kinsley over. That was very nice. And I, <clears throat> after that was done, got in the car with my son Aaron, and we drove straight through because he had to get back to school at Southern Adventist University in Collegedale, Tennessee. And we drove through the night and we arrived there about midday on Sunday. And uh, then I ran down to Atlanta for a little while and was because we were looking at buying a car that was down there. And Monday, everything worked out. We officially bought the car. Tuesday, I loaded back up. <clears throat> I drove from Collegedale, Tennessee to Keene, Texas, where my mother-in-law is now living and spent the night there. And then uh, on Wednesday, drove from there back here to Boulder and was pleased to be home and everything was going well. Had a good day on Thursday, <clears throat> rode my bike to the church. It was a great, uh, a great day, 70 degrees. Winter here is not as bad as you all told me it would be. But anyway, uh, rode up there and everything was great. Came back yesterday evening. I was feeling kind of tired, but I thought, well, I haven't been out. I haven't been exercising much. Maybe I'm tired from driving and everything. Well, through the course of last night, <clears throat> I uh, started feeling kind of kind of bad and uh, <clears throat> woke up around midnight, went and uh, checked my temperature, and I had a fever, a little low-grade fever going on. Anyway, worked it all through, woke up in the morning and thought, yeah. I'm going to have to figure out what this is about. Well, it turns out Pastor Jay had a COVID-19 quick test, which he brought and dropped by the house. And we got and worked our way through the instructions and, and um, took the test. And it turns out somewhere in the midst of all the craziness of the last however many days, I got exposed to COVID and got infected. So Having tested positive, that means I absolutely couldn't be there today, and I'm having to do the video approach again, but it's just a reminder, isn't it? I've been reminded of this so many times in the last two years. Man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps, and again, I'm glad that we have this capacity to do this, <clears throat> that, that uh, I can come to you in this format. I apologize in advance if I'm uh, uh, a little unhinged because uh, sometimes when I have a low fever, I, I can talk a little more than I should. But uh, hopefully nothing will happen along those lines. And instead, the only thing that will be said will be those things which will honor God. So let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that your spirit will be with us today and uh, that we will see, we will take confidence in the reality that your purposes cannot be derailed and your will will be done. The only question is whether or not we're going to participate. Lord, help us to be participators in your will, and help us as we reflect on a story today from Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. So for our uh, text that was read just a, a bit ago from the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 4, um, I had all the verses read so that you could hear the context of this statement that Paul is making in this letter to the Galatians, but the part I want to key on is actually just verses four and five. So if you want to take your Bibles that are there with you, I'm using the uh, English Standard Version like the one in front of you there and go to Galatians, the book of Galatians chapter four. 
And beginning in verse four, you'll find these words. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So we've talked about this, this context in a lot of different things. We talked about it a lot in the John series, uh, that phrase that takes place in John chapter one, where it says to all who believed, who all put their faith in Jesus, he gave them the right to be the sons and daughters of God. And this whole thing was a plan that God had made, and he knew exactly how it was going to go, at least in terms of when. And so it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption of sons. And remember this, always remember this. God's purpose will succeed. And it will not be undermined even when his people fail. Because in this story of, of God sending his son what we've got mary she's definitely doing it right we've got joseph he's doing it right but the list doesn't get much longer than that we're going to have shepherds who are going to see something they're going to come there's there's an event that takes place uh, at the temple where a guy named simeon is going to get it right and a woman named anna is going to get it right so there there's some but by and large the people are not on board god's people are not with the program but this doesn't ruin God's plan, because regardless, God always has a plan B. I read this last week from, from Ellen White from the Desire of Ages. It says, but like the stars in the vast circuit of their appointed path, God's purposes know no haste and no delay. So in heaven's counsel, the hour for the coming of Christ had been determined. When the great clock of time pointed to that hour, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. There was no undoing it. If everything has gone this morning the way it was supposed to, we heard a wonderful song right before this, the Star Carol, one of my favorite Christmas carols. And uh, it talks about the star that appeared in the sky. You see, God always has a plan. And sometimes he has to find unlikely ways to make sure that plan gets carried out. But our unfaithfulness, our struggling against God, we don't stop his plan. The only thing that happens is we lose our pardon. We don't get to be a part of what God does. And he finds someone else. And in the story that we're going to look at today, this is an example, I believe, of God finding someone else because God's people weren't ready. We're in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. This is just crazy. It's just one of the most awesome passages in the whole Bible. Here's Jerusalem, the place that thinks it knows everything about God. And they're going about their business. They're doing all the Jerusalem stuff. 
And all of a sudden, these guys show up. You know, we've traditionally said there were three of them, but really, as it turns out, there were three gifts. So however many there were, we don't exactly know, but but uh, could have been three. Anyway, these guys show up and they say, we saw his star. Verse three, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Isn't that funny that Jerusalem would be troubled at the news that the king of the Jews has been born? And assembling all the chief priests, I get it why Herod was, because that, that's competition for him, but why was everybody else? And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them the t what time the star had appeared. Now, this is actually an interesting uh, little statement here, because it's not exactly clear how long before the actual birth of Jesus the star appeared. It had to appear enough before that these guys had time to travel from somewhere in the region of of modern day uh, Iran or Iraq, somewhere over there is where these guys were, travel all the way across and all the way to Jerusalem. And, and there is actually an interesting, uh, he inquires of them when the, when the star appeared. And, and if you read later on in the story, we're not gonna go there today because it's so dark and I, I just hate that part of the story where Herod acts and, and kills all of the baby boys in that region from two years old down. I wonder if that had to do with the time in which the wise men had spoken to him about when they had seen that star. And it, it's fascinating to think that for that long, they had been focused on this, could have been six months, could have been a year, could have been up to two years, where they this was their purpose. And they were traveling to see this one because they had seen the star. We go on. Verse uh, verse seven, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Yeah, that was not the plan. Verse nine, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with, his, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they'd offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So they see the star again. They're headed toward Bethlehem. They see the star again. The star directs them. Now, this is an interesting point. Uh, verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child. So uh, we've kind of collapsed everything about the nativity scene down to a single night. Jesus is born. The shepherds show up. The wise men turn up. It all happens in the stable. Well, apparently there's a little bit of time that goes by here, and it's hard to know exactly uh, what piece is what the shepherd story is of course in luke 
this story is in Matthew. Matthew doesn't mention the shepherds. He mentions these wise men. And it says here that they came into the house. So apparently by this time, uh, they were no longer in a stable. They were now in a house. And I don't know for sure how much time had gone by, but that's where they met him. And going into the house, verse 11, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Does that make sense? It's just a baby. And, and here is uh, a, a young, probably Jewish woman. And Joseph, how could they be so convicted when nobody else even knew what was going on? It's amazing to think about. And they open their treasures and they give him the gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. And then they see a vision. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Verse 13, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and destroy him. And Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. So think about this for a minute. Joseph is not a man of means. Mary is not someone that has a lot of resource. And because of the reality of the fulfillment of the prophecy to be born there, Herod is going to come and seek to destroy the, the baby that's been born. And so they have to flee to Egypt. How do you think they survived in Egypt? How do you think Joseph and Mary afforded that trip? I'll tell you what I think. I think for however long it took for them to flee down to Egypt and to stay down there and then to return, I believe it was off of these gifts of the wise men that they lived, that they were able to be sustained. Now, ideally, the king of the Jews is born and everybody's excited and they make sure he has everything he needs. But that's not how it happened. God's people were not ready. So you know what God did? God went with another plan. God sent Gentiles. That's what's crazy in this story. These guys are Gentiles. They're not a part of Israel. They don't have the history. They don't have the scriptures. Yet they have hearts that are open. And they hear the voice of God and they come and they act. These were, these were Gentiles who knew who Jesus was. Though probably there was stuff in the way they believed and thought that we would find kind of strange. Like, I don't know, I see a star. Let's travel all the way across the desert and see what's under it. Yeah, I think we think that's crazy, right? But God used them. And he used what he knew would work with them. And they believed. Now, it is thought that, that the writings that they had access to, that they were touching on, were actually ancient writings of Balaam, the one who was kind of the uh, notoriously bad prophet who went with Balak when Israel was first coming out of Egypt and tried to curse the people, that somehow they had access to those ancient writings because it makes a reference that a star will rise. I hope it's true because it's a wonderful story. Somehow, God led them and they went. 
And so these are also Gentiles who received visions from God. And these are Gentiles who freely gave to assure that this child, born king of the Jews, I don't even know if they knew what that meant for them. But somehow they knew it mattered. And they went and they gave their gifts. I'm reminded of, a, of another quote from Ellen White. This one is found in the Ministry of Healing, and it goes like this. It says, our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. Sometimes we think, oh, well, it's just not going to work out. This isn't going to happen. There just isn't any way. Yeah, tell it to the wise men. Tell it to your Heavenly Father who has a thousand ways to provide that we don't even know about. And often these provisions, these miraculous provisions, they come from unlikely sources. These wise men, they're, they're kind of in the middle of, of a not short but highly significant list of Gentiles that God used to accomplish his purpose. I'll just give you a couple examples here. Nebuchadnezzar. Well, that's a little hard to think of because Nebuchadnezzar is the guy who traveled to Jerusalem, destroyed the city. But before the city was destroyed, do you remember how this story goes? He was there once before. And the first time he was there, the, the Bible says he took from the city essentially everyone of value. Everyone, now, now that could sound bad. That could sound like we're saying some people are more valuable than others. That's not what I'm saying. Everyone in the city who actually was faithful to God got carted off to Babylon. Isn't that the opposite of what you would expect? You would expect that the bad people had to go to Babylon and the good people got to stay behind. But no, all of the good ones, including people like Daniel and Ezekiel, these were the guys that were taken away. And the ones that were left behind, Jeremiah was left behind to help him. And man, what a terrible time that was. So Nebuchadnezzar is actually referred to by God as my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. You think this pagan king thought he was God's servant? He was. And here's the crazy thing about the captivity in Babylon. God saved the Jews through captivity in Babylon. Because under their own leadership and authority, they had become so corrupt. They were destroying themselves. And the whole plan of God was going to be undermined to where it wasn't going to be able to work. But God was like, no, you can't stop it. No matter how unfaithful you are, I will still accomplish my purpose. And my purpose is to send my son at the appointed time. You can't stop it. And I will do whatever it takes to make it happen. So he takes them away to Babylon, and they're in Babylon. And in Babylon, they're broken of, of a lot of their, uh, their pagan tendencies. And they put away idols. Then come the Medes and the Persians. In fact, Cyrus, the king of the Medes and the Persians, is called by name in the scripture before he's even born. And God says, he is the one appointed to send my people back. And it is during the times of the Medes and the Persians that the Jews go back in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and these other guys. They go back to the land to reestablish things because they got to be there because Jesus is coming. But that's not even all of it. Then come the Greeks. The Greeks come and they wipe out the Medes and the Persians. And, and, and it seems like really 
you know, this is all just spun out of control. But here's what happened with the Greeks. The Greeks had such a powerful culture that their culture settled in in all the lands that they had conquered. And their language became the second language everyone spoke. Everyone spoke what they already spoke and Greek. So you spoke Hebrew and Greek or Aramaic and Greek or Akkadian and Greek or whatever it was. Pretty much everybody knew Greek because the Gentiles who were there. What did this do? Well, it, it did more to promulgate the gospel than just about anything else that could have happened. Because now you could write in one language and everybody all across the Mediterranean region and all through the Middle East would understand what you'd written. You didn't have language barriers. And then came the Romans. Well, ironically, I believe Christianity never makes it out of Judea if not for the Romans. And that's just crazy, right? Because the Romans end up being persecutors of Christians. Yet even despite everything they thought they were doing, they had no idea. They were accomplishing God's purpose. When you read in Luke, you'll see that it was by the Lord's hand that the decree was given that all, everyone should be taxed. And this is what brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. The emperor thought he was doing his own business, but he was doing God's business. God has a thousand ways. Well, why do I say Christianity would have never gotten out? Well, first of all, I don't think Jesus survives three and a half years without the Romans. Because the Jews would have never put up with somebody that was that disruptive if they'd been in control of things. And we have specific stories related to Paul, where it's the Romans themselves who protect Paul from the Jews who are trying to kill him. And it is while Paul is in, in Roman prisons in various places that he writes most of what we call the New Testament. So they played a huge role in all of these things. And it wasn't just the protections, it was, it was also peace in the land. Now, it's not the peace the way we would like it. They were violent and it was bad. But there was peace across that land in ways that hadn't been there before, all the way from, from one end of the Mediterranean to the other. And this enabled uh, roads to be built and ships to travel safely. And it was on those roads and on those ships that the apostles traveled all around the region and spread the story of Jesus. This is a challenge to us. Sometimes we think we know how God has to work and, and, and who God has to use. It, like You can't use those people. They're not us. They're not right. They're not doing it right. But but usually we can't even begin to see everything that God is doing. We can't see the big picture. And often we can't even see the little picture in our own lives. Have you ever had something that happened in your life that, that seemed like the worst possible thing? But as you look back at it over time, uh, God was leading. God had his hand in it. I look at these different decisions I've made through the course of my life that, that seemed almost random to me at the time. But later I look back and I say, wow, Lord, how did you lead me to the right choices every step? I believe he leads us if we will listen and if we will walk. You think about the big picture works of God. I'm, I'm, I'm saying here that there's nothing we can do to derail God's purpose. Now, whether or not we're a part of it, that's up to us. But there's nothing we can do to derail this purpose. Let me, let me give you an example of what I mean here. Creation. 
when the time came for creation and however time worked before creation, I have no idea. But however that worked, when the time came, God created the world. And we didn't delay him and we didn't speed him up. We weren't even around to do it. He makes that point well enough in the book of Job. Salvation. When the time came for Jesus to be born, we read that quote from Ellen White, no haste, no delay, just like the stars moving in the sky. No haste, no delay. It happens when God says, and yeah, God's people weren't ready, but that didn't mean God didn't have options. You see, he knew these guys, these wise men, and he sent them. You know, I can't help but think the second coming is the same way. I mean, these are the great works of God, creation, salvation, second coming. When the time comes, Jesus is going to come. And you know what? I don't think it's dependent on us. Just like the time for salvation wasn't, just like the time for creation wasn't. I don't think God's sitting around up there going, wow, I sure wish they'd get it together so I could come. I don't think that's right. Now, that doesn't mean we're not invited to play a role. That doesn't mean what we do is irrelevant to the whole story. But you know what? If we don't play our role, it doesn't mean God is thwarted because he's got a thousand ways to get it done. But wouldn't you like to be one of the ways? This is where we've got to understand our place and not take upon ourselves those things which belong to God. God is not dependent on us, but we are invited to be part of the plan. You see, God will accomplish his purpose. Remember the story of Esther? Mordecai says to her, if you don't do this, rescue will come somehow. But there's no telling what will become of you if you don't play your role that you have the opportunity to play. I think it's the same for us. God is saying, I'm going to wrap up my work. I'm going to come again. And I will accomplish it one way or another. See, I, I know Gentiles that can do this. But wouldn't it be better if we did it? If we were a part of God's plan, if we stayed focused? You see, by faithfulness, we can experience unbelievable joys and bring glory to God by being a part of his purpose. His purpose doesn't depend on us. He's going to get it done regardless. But we have a chance to be a part of it. And no one should say, I can't be a part of God's working. I'm not of the Jews, or I'm not of the right people. I'm not the right race. I'm not the right age. No one should say this. Because if God can send three wise men across the desert to sustain his son in Egypt, land of Gentiles, God can use us, every one of us. You know what I think? I think there's nothing we should want more than to have played our role in God's purpose. The last line of the star carol, I, I love this line. It says, dear baby Jesus, how tiny thou art. I'll make a place for thee in my heart. And when the stars in the heavens I see, ever and always, I think of thee. I love that. I would like that to be true with me. I need to work on that. Anytime I go out and see the stars, I think of Jesus. I want that to be true. I'm going to ask Laura to come up and, and get ready because I'm about done here.
and uh, she can get ready because she's going to lead us in some songs. But I just want to end with this thought. And here it is. God wants to use you, all of you, to build his kingdom. You saying no will not stop him, but it will rob you of the greatest possible thing you can do and be a part of. He calls all of us, and we all see him differently, but he calls us all, and he calls us to a unity in the Holy Spirit, a unity not based on on the kinds of things that we think bring singularity and unity, but a deeper reality, a deeper unity, the kind of unity that can put into the hearts of three wise men, three Gentile wise men, to come and worship the King of the Jews when not even the Jews are worshiping him. We can be those people in this day. Let's be faithful. Let's be a part of God's purpose. Let's pray. Father in heaven, look upon us, call us, send us, enable us, that we will be a part of your plan. In Jesus' name, amen.